Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. Uh, good to be back here. Another episode of This Week in Basketball. Uh, we're going to focus on the week of January 6th to 12th. Uh, itinerary for today, we're going to go over just some uh, some injury returns. Uh, for the most part, uh, three key pieces of the league are making their return back and we've got some timelines for those guys. Uh, we're going to talk about um, a little thing with the Houston Rockets, uh, their ownership and uh, why they continue to duck the tax with the latest cuts of one of their players. Uh, we'll get into the game of the week and I'll get into a little bit um, of why I think I'm going to change up the format for this by picking just one game and I'll tell you why about that in a second. And we're going to pick our Eastern Conference and Western Conference All-Stars. I'll go through some of my thinking around that. And uh, finally, we'll wrap up with what I learned this week. So let's start uh, with some injury returns, four big, uh, three big ones. Um, okay, so we've learned Victor Oladipo is set to make his return January 29th against the Bulls. Uh, Oladipo being out uh, with that uh, torn patella tendon that kept uh, that kept him out for almost a full year, dating back to last season. Uh, this is obviously a big boost for the Indiana Pacers. Victor Oladipo, you know, last time we saw him playing at an All Star level, and then the time we saw him before that, he was actually second team All NBA. Um, Vic is one of my favorite players. I really like uh, his explosiveness, his athleticism. He's a three level scorer, can finish at the rim, has got separation moves in the mid range, and can shoot it from three. He's been working hard with his uh, trainer, Michael Lancaster, to get back, and it looks like we've got uh, a date, January 29th, that he's going to return. So uh, we'll definitely monitor how Vic looks uh, on his way back. Uh, looks to looks to be 100%, judging by some of his you know YouTube videos that he's got the VO show and stuff like that, which is I, which I really enjoy. Uh, but he seems to be back here. It seems to be 100%. Uh, obviously, going to take some time for him to uh, get back in the groove of things with the Pacers, especially with a lot of their new additions there. Uh, and a lot of guys playing well, being uh, Brogdon and Sabonis and Turner as well. So we'll see how uh, Oladipo kind of meshes back with the Pacers team, but uh, good to have him back as uh, he's a fantastic player for Indiana and definitely gives them uh, a boost and uh, is definitely their best player uh, when he's uh, healthy and uh, good to go. So great to hear for Vic Oladipo, and we'll monitor how he plays as he uh, returns starting January 29th against the Bulls. Second injury return is Kyrie Irving uh, makes his return tonight at 6 p.m. I'm actually recording this at 9 p.m. Um, so that that game would likely have finished, and I believe the Nets won um, in a blowout. Let's take a look at his statistics, actually, while we're on the line. 108-86 was the total there. Uh, the Nets obviously getting the win. Uh, box score for Kyrie, let's take a look here. Well, I got it up. Uh, 21 points, uh, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. For Kyrie Irving, uh, 10 of 11 from the field. Wow, one of one from three. He did that in about 19 minutes, just under 20 minutes. So clearly on a uh, minutes restriction there. But uh, he's back, and you know, 10 of 11 from the field is pretty damn good. Um, 21 points in 20 minutes is pretty damn good as well. So good for Kyrie. Looks like he's back in the groove. Lucky that uh, that shoulder doesn't seem to be bothering him uh, any longer, given the fact that he has uh, returned and not opted for surgery. We'll monitor how Kyrie looks kind of throughout the year. Uh, again, there was talk that Kyrie might get surgery to kind of fix this stuff up, but uh, clearly has opted uh, not to do so and looked pretty good. Uh, looked pretty good tonight, judging by the box score. I didn't necessarily watch the game, but uh, ten of eleven from the field is, uh, is usually pretty damn good in twenty minutes. So uh, good to see Kyrie Irving back. Finally, the Nets get Kyrie 
Dinwiddie, and Levert. Uh, they're three. Uh, they're three star guards. Well, I guess you can consider Levert more of a wing, but they're uh, two star guards and a wing back and playing well. Uh, very good to see. And uh, hopefully the Nets maybe can make a run out the standings now that they're uh, they're nice and healthy. So we'll see how that goes. But Kyrie back in action as of today against the Hawks, where he uh, looked to have played well. Third piece of news here, Zion Williamson, about two to three weeks away uh, as reporting by Woj. Um, we've seen some clips of him, you know, doing between-the-legs dunks and stuff like that. We've heard that the training staff is uh, trying to work with him on walking and movement and, you know, injury prevention stuff that's going to help help out his career very far down the line. Uh, I listened to him on uh, JJ Reddick's podcast and he mentioned that, you know, there was times he couldn't go out and eat dinner with his teammates and stuff like that because the coaching staff and the training staff was doing extra work with him to make sure that he's getting back healthy and uh, setting him up so he can uh, prevent injury when he comes back. We know, you know, big body 6'7", 280 or whatever he is, that's a lot of weight on those knees. And so, it's good that the Pelicans are taking every precaution possible to make sure that they are going to uh, practice and implement injury prevention methods so Zion can be as healthy as possible. That's definitely the right way to go about it. But two to three weeks away, it looks like Zion is, but he will play uh, this season, which is absolutely fantastic to see, and uh, I can't wait to see Zion. I'm sure I speak for the entire league when I say that. So Zion Williamson, two to three weeks away, but will play this season. Okay, let's get into this Rocket stuff. So... Piece of Rockets news here. The Rockets have cut uh, Gary Clark from the roster. The uh, his guarantee date, I think, was uh, some sometime around um, uh, January. I don't remember exactly what the date was, but anyway, basically, by cutting Gary Clark, they save eight hundred thousand dollars in team salary and open up a roster spot. So they uh, currently have fourteen players on the roster. Remember, you can run with actually fourteen uh, on the roster if you so choose, but. This is a bigger case than just cutting a player uh, to open up a roster spot. This is, you know, Gary Clark. Gary Clark was playing well for the Rockets. He played well last year for the team as well. And it's clear that if you're only saving $800,000 in salary from a player that was pretty good and that could contribute to your rotation, this is clearly a luxury tax move. And if it's a luxury tax move for a team that, you know, should be considered a contender in the Houston Rockets and have been, you know, for the past, you know, four four or five years or so, this is on the hands of Tillman Fertitta. Tillman Fertitta is clearly looking to duck the tax here, and I don't understand why he did it in previous years since he's owned the team, and it's it's just not a good look for the Rockets. I mean, this is a team that you should be in the tax. You should be looking to spend to improve this roster as much as you can, and this is just yet another example of trying to duck the tax as much as possible and uh, trying to do whatever do whatever you can to uh, you know save money um, for this team that you know in my opinion should be spending money like this should be really like trying to you know go over into the tax and pay the bill and you know trust your trust your GM who's made incredible moves trust your coach D'Antoni who's running a big time offense and you know see if you can win a championship I mean you've got a superstar in James Harden a once in a generation player on your roster you've got a team set up to compete for a championship with no clear cut uh, favorite or well uh, maybe a clear cut favorite but no clear cut guaranteed um, you know finalists like we've had in the past with those Warriors teams and we continue to see the same stuff here from the Houston Rockets the tax cutting the savings cutting decent players uh, to try and save money it's just not a good look for this team in my opinion and uh, as long as they have that mentality I really just don't see um, 
I really don't. I really don't see them winning a championship, to be honest, this year. And I'll I'll be happy to eat my words if they are the ones that win a championship. But moves like this from the front office down um, just doesn't seem. Maybe not down, I wouldn't say, but from the ownership from the top. It doesn't seem like they have the championship mentality, and I'm speaking specifically about Tillman Fertitta, not about Daryl Morey, who's willing to make trades and improve this team whatever he can possible, not Mike D'Antoni, who's adapted to a superstar, not Harden, not even, not even Westbrook. I'm talking about Tillman Fertitta in this case because he does not seem like he's got that championship mentality judging by his cost-saving moves that he's made with a team that is very po- uh, prone to uh, being able to make a run and win a championship here. So just thought I would mention that uh, because I see that as a problem going forward for the Houston Rockets. Okay, let's get to the game of the week here. Um, I think from here on out, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to pick a game in advance. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick a game in advance that I'm going to watch uh, and follow and, um, and tell you guys about it previously before the week starts and then I'll come back to that game uh, at the end of the week when we do these podcast reviews, and then I'll go over it. So that will give you a chance to kind of watch the game with me and kind of, you know, go and see and watch the game and see if you're seeing what I'm seeing and, and you know, things of that nature. So this week, my game of the week was the Denver Nuggets uh, versus the uh, Dallas Mavericks. The Nuggets got the win, 107-106, uh, and at the end, I'll pick uh, my next game as well, so just uh, stay tuned to the end for that. So let's go through this game a little bit in a little bit of detail here. So no Millsap, no Barton for the Nuggets, and no Porzingis for the Mavs. So to start the game, much of the Nuggets' offense to me in the first quarter came off of Jokic passing from the top of the key. Um, at one point on the broadcast, you could actually hear Rick Carlisle saying, watch the cuts, watch the cuts. And so after he says that, the ball goes into the uh, into Jokic on that possession, and there wasn't a single Dallas Maverick looking at anything except their man. So they forced Jokic into a post-up, uh, got it blocked uh, uh, with the weak side help after Jokic got kind of tunnel vision, and then they got out of transition and Powell scored off the nice zero step. So you could tell there was an emphasis for Rick Carlisle to start the game that uh, we're not going to let any cutters beat us back door or anything like that. And so the Mavs offense um, on the other side was a little bit of everything, a little bit of transition, uh, some scoring, uh, attack, attacking closeouts, some Luka buckets, some Tim Hardaway Jr. buckets. He had it going early. Um, and then after one, 32-27 to 27 for the Mavericks after the first quarter. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. had a rough game in this one. He had a, he had a tough night uh, to this point. Had three turnovers and zero points in that second quarter. Um, and then so it's 44-43 to for the Nuggets, and Jokic gets his first field goal with 4.31 to go in the half. Um, so you can see that the Nuggets offense came from a lot of Jokic passing, but not necessarily Jokic field goals. And, you know, that Jamal Murray handoff action is a, is a staple in their offense as well. So the Nuggets continued to grind out buckets in the paint and mid-range, but didn't get up a lot of threes. I think they only got up 24 and made nine of them in the whole game. Um, but Denver did get like 10 free throws uh, to end the half in the bonus, which really helped out their offense. And then after uh, at the at halftime, it was 59 to 56 uh, for the Mavs at half. So in the third quarter, Jokic really got it going. So he was he was nailing post-ups. He had like three or four threes that sparked the Nuggets offense in 21 in the quarter uh, for Jokic. And that made it 89-86 Mavs after three. Um, and 
as you can tell, that was really the only thing that kept uh, the Nuggets in it as he was most of their offense there in that third quarter. And so the Denver goes on a 7-0 run to start the fourth, which makes it 93-all. And then the Nuggets go down 5, jumping to the end of the game here. The Nuggets went down 5, uh, 106-101 to with 2 minutes to go. And then Dallas never scored again after that. So it was a Jokic post-up, uh, Grant free throws off an offensive rebound, and then another Jokic post-up, and that pretty much ended the game after a fantastic closeout from, I think it was um, uh, Malik Beasley, uh, into the corner as the Mavs try to get it um, into the co- in the corner for a three for a win, and the, the closeout really uh, stifled uh, the Mavericks player. I can't remember exactly who it was, but they threw it away, and that ended the game. So... A great game uh, came right down to the wire. Uh, Mavs Nuggets 107-106 Nuggets win. So this week or this next coming week, my game of the week is going to be Celtics versus the Bucks. Uh, that's on January sixteenth at eight p.m. That'll be the game that I'm going to focus on this week. So be sure to watch that game. Have a look at it. You know, uh, get a chance. So if you got League Pass, you can watch it later. All that good stuff. Uh, or another good uh, place to watch games for free if you don't have TV access is called NFL Byte. Uh, they've got NFL games and NBA games that you can watch a bunch of live streams on for free. So you can go there and watch the game absolutely free on your uh, on your phone, on your um, on your tablet, on your desktop, on your laptop, whatever you got. But that'll be the game Thursday, January sixteenth. The Celtics versus the Bucks at 8 p.m. Eastern. That'll be the game that I focus on next week for my game of the week. So we'll try out this format, see see if it works. I think it's going to work a lot better because it gives you a chance to be more interactive with the game. It allows me to kind of uh, lock in on a specific game that week, and then that way uh, you can kind of see uh, if you're actually seeing what I'm seeing sort of thing, and uh, we'll be able to kind of uh, have a a spirited discussion about uh, the game itself if you disagree or if you agree with what I'm seeing. Uh, so yeah, so that'll be the game. Buck Celtics, January 16th, uh, 8 p.m. All right, let's pick the All-Stars. The All-Star game is around the corner. It's less than a month away now. Um, obviously, you know, there's maybe some things that can change. You know, maybe a guy or two goes on a crazy run here and really boosts his All-Star stock uh, going into the game. And that's definitely possible as well. But uh, I think I've got them locked here. I think I, I, I don't think any specific run, barring some insanity, is going to change my picks uh, for the East and West All-Stars here. So let's go through them right now. Actually, before I go through them, let me, let me, let me talk a little bit about my criteria here. So some of these, I didn't even have to look at the statistics. Some of these, I'm just like, all right, All-Star, no doubt in my mind, no doubt whatsoever. Like, I don't even have to look at anything. Some of these guys, I was like, huh, this is tough. This is tough. Um, so some of the things that I considered your, you know, your box score stats. Yeah, those are definitely in that. But your efficiency counts to me. Um, is your team better with you on the floor? Your on your on off numbers on your team definitely count. Um, what else? Uh, I would say. Uh, oh yeah, your efficiency is a box score. Are, are, does your is your team better with you on the floor? And is your team winning? Is your team winning? That always is uh, something that I like to in, I like to include in the in these All Star votes. So yeah, there could be a couple guys that you know don't make the All Star team because maybe their team just isn't doing well. And you know if you're uh, 
if you're an all-star, I would expect your team to do a little bit better than, you know, be the bottom of your conference. So that may not, might necessarily be all that one player's fault, but at the same time, uh, it's I, I got to reward winning. I have to reward winning. The, the goal of the game is to win, and if you're a, a player that contributes to winning, then I've got to reward that. So here we go. All-stars in the East. Here is who I considered. So this is a, an exhaustive list of all the guys that were in consideration for me. Giannis, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Malcolm Brogdon, Demonis Sabonis, Nikola Vucevic, Spencer Dinwiddie, Devontae Graham, Zach Levine, Andre Drummond, Bradley Beal, Trey Young. Those were all the guys that I considered. There's only 12 spots, five starters. Um, so let's go through the starters real quick. So my all-star game starters, you know, you can maybe quibble with these a little bit, but um, I think I think these are pretty solid. So my starters currently at guard are Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker, and Jimmy Butler, I'm hoping they put Jimmy Butler as a guard. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure wh whether or not that's going to be the case. Um, but to me, he's a guard. You know, like I don't know. He's. A, I, I hope that. I hope I can sneak Jimmy Butler in there because he's been awesome for the Miami Heat, and I think he deserves to be a starter. Emba Walker, Jimmy Butler, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid. Those are my five All-Star starters. For the game. So now that leaves me with seven more guys. Seven more guys. This was tough. I'm not going to lie. This, this this was tough this year. Uh, for the East and the West. But in the East, this, this was kind of tough. So continuing with my All-Stars. Oh boy. Some, some people are going to be mad at me. I promise. Okay. I got Bam out of Bile as one of my All-Stars. Bam has just been so impactful for the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat... Uh, are absolutely killing it in the Eastern Conference. They're currently second as I do this with a 27 and 11 record. And a lot of that is because of, yeah, not only Jimmy Butler, but Bam Adebayo's versatility on offense and defense. You know, I've talked about Bam on previous podcasts and his ability to, uh, you know, be uh, so impactful defensively uh, and off offensively as well. Uh, he makes passes at the elbow. He obviously rebounds at a high level. He does a lot of, you know, a lot of good things for this team. And I, I just think he's, I think he's an all-star. I don't think too many people are going to quibble with that in my opinion. And, oh my goodness, the NBA page stopped working as I'm trying to pull up the on-off stats for Bam Adebayo. Wow, that is just a disaster. Okay, um, I don't think that's, I don't think I need to pull them up for him. I think we know Bam Adebayo Bam is an all-star. Okay. My second, uh, well, actually, that, he's my sixth all-star. Not necessarily that order, but I'm just going down the list of who I highlighted here. I've also got Jalen Brown in the game. Yes, Jalen Brown I've got as an all-star for the Boston Celtics. Celtics, obviously, third at 26 and 11. But the thing about the Celtics is they they're on they're on fire like they're pretty you know on fire and a lot of the reason that they are on fire is because of their offense which I think ranks very highly uh, in uh, in the league I, I think they're you know top two offense right now if I'm not mistaken 
Again, this stupid NBA page is blocking out on me as I'm trying to look at this. Um, as I, Oh, sorry. No. That, okay, Boston Celtics, Celtics are actually sixth uh, at 111.5. But still, you know, Jalen Brown has been just a fantastic player this year. He's been very, very good. Um, he Defensively, he's been awesome. He's getting to his spots. I've talked about Jalen Brown on past podcasts and what I think uh, about him and his offensive game. This NBA page is not working, so I cannot pull up his stats. This is unbelievable, but I've got Jalen Brown as an all-star, and I've got him making it over Jason Tatum. I can't. I couldn't put three Celtics in there. I know Jason Tatum has had a fantastic year. He's been very good. Jason Tatum has been very good defensively, uh, especially as an off-ball player. So I I will say that as well. Um, but I just think Jalen Brown throughout the year has been just a little bit better than Jason Tatum. Like, I just think he has been. We can quibble with that. That's not set in stone by any means or anything like that. Uh, All right, awesome. I was actually able to pull up some statistics on my phone here, so maybe we can uh, do that. But, uh, you know, Jason Tatum, just under 20 points per game, but shooting at a 50% clip, 39% from three on uh, five attempts per game. Good versatility on his jumper as well. 76% from the line, which is 10% higher uh, than his previous year from the free throw line. You know, he's grabbing seven rebounds, two uh, two assists. He's getting a steal a game or whatnot. Uh, true shooting, fifty almost 60% true shooting, uh, which is fantastic on 24 usage, which is very, very good. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think there's too much to quibble with uh, over... You know, Jason or sorry, Jalen Brown making the team. I'm pulling up uh, the on-off stuff to see uh, exactly how uh, Jalen Brown ranks in terms of the on-off numbers here. You know, on the on the court with uh, Jalen Brown, one uh, one eleven offensive rating off the court, one oh nine. 105. So you know, he's actually been a slight negative uh, on uh, on the team overall as a better defensive rating when he's off the court, but. Uh, a worse offensive rating when he's off the court as well. And, you know, and just looking at Jason Tatum, a little bit uh, defensive rating, a little bit worse when he's off the court. Uh, Offensive rating is actually quite a bit better when Jason Tatum is on the court. Um, Maybe these numbers are are a little bit off to me because the eye test tells me that I like Jalen Brown a little bit more. Um, You can, you can argue with that. That's fine. I just, I'm I'm taking Jalen Brown over Jason Tatum just this specific year. So, that could be one to argue. I understand that. I'm also taking Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam. I don't think there's any, there's too much to quibble with with those guys. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry was out for a little bit. I understand that, but he's been balling. He's been absolutely balling since he's been back. Um, he's been carrying this team as the injuries have really start to pile up uh, for the Toronto Raptors, and he he's he's just been f- fantastic. And you know, they lost tonight to the Spurs, but he had a you know a 16 points, 15 assists game, which is, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. 35% from three on nine attempts a game. Uh, he's got almost eight assists per game now after that um, after that game last night. Uh, you know, true shooting, uh, 58% true shooting, above, above the average, 22 usage, still averaging over 20 a game. Defense still fantastic. Uh, still really running the, the offense to a high, uh, at a high level. Still taking charges, still a fantastic defender. I got Kyle Lowry in there personally. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam, I, I talked about him already. I don't think there's uh, any reason why he's not in there. Uh, I got Ben Simmons in my all-star game. You know, Philly, 
It's been a little bit disappointing this year, 25 and 15 as I look at it here. But, you know, Ben Simmons is still putting up pretty good numbers, I would say. I think he I think he deserves to be in the All-Star game. His, his statistics have dipped a little bit, but not enough for me uh, to, base it, to completely take him out of the game, especially here, you know, in, in the Eastern Conference on a team that's winning, you know, still 56% from the field, even though he's averaging 15 a game. Uh, he's averaging 40% from three, taking 0.1 a game. <laughs> and uh, he still doesn't shoot the ball, obviously. You know, seven and a half rebounds, eight and a half assists per game. Uh, 2.2 steals a game for Ben Simmons. You know he's a fantastic defender. Still 58%, you know, true shooting. Uh, and, you know, the defense is uh, helped by Ben Simmons on the court. Uh, he's, he's a really good defender. So I got Ben Simmons in the game. So, so far I got Giannis. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. So that's nine spots. That leaves three more. Um, so I took Demonis Sabonis as one of my spots. Look, it was tough for me to pick between Brogdon and Sabonis, but after going through some of the statistics, uh, you know, Sabonis just is the team is better when Sabonis is on the floor um, than Brogdon. Brogdon's missed a ton of games here. You know, Sabonis a high-level rebounder as well. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just I just went with Sabonis. I just think he's having a better year at this point. He's also averaging four assists, you know, per game, uh, and the team is better with him on the court than it is Brogdon. I think Brogdon is a fair, uh, very good player, but I, I just couldn't have two Pacers in there um, with some of the other names left on this list. Uh, so I went to Monis Sabonis. I think he's having a fantastic year. He's being he's been really efficient, and he deserves All Star consideration. Number eleven, I actually went with Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I went with Spencer Dinwiddie. I think uh, Dinwiddie has been, you know, I, I don't think I know Dinwiddie has been absolutely fantastic this year uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. He really has carried the team since Kyrie uh, and Karis LeVert has been out. You know, twenty two a game. Not shooting the three ball necessarily too well, but it is averaging, you know, six, uh, six and a half assists, uh, 50, a little bit below average true shooting, but he's on about 31% usage, which really tells you how much, you know, they rely on him, you know, to create scoring for this team. And I know that the Nets aren't necessarily, you know, the cream of the crop, uh, offensively here, um, in the Eastern, in the Eastern conference. I get that. I know that they're, you know, 25th. Uh, 105.5, but I just, I, I couldn't help but give Spencer Dinwiddie the nod just because where would the Nets be without this guy? I mean, it's just wild. Like, they're seventh right now. Like, they're, okay, well, they're eighth, actually, uh, as I say this. They're eighth in the Eastern Conference, and I think that they would be at the very bottom of the league had it not been for this guy carrying the team. So um, I went with Spencer Dinwiddie uh, as my love guy. And my final guy, this was a tough one, but I went with Bradley Beal. Um, I went with I went with Bradley Beal over Trey Young. I know a lot of people are going to be upset with me for that, and that's basically because um, I know and I know Bradley Beal has missed a lot of games. He hasn't been uh, necessarily so so healthy this year, but I went with Bradley Beal because while he was playing, he still played thirty two games this year. He's been spearheading an offense in Washington that is ranked ninth in the entire league. Uh, and yes, they're 30th in defense, but I'm not going to say that Bradley Beal is the reason they're 30th in defense. Um, you know, he's that league average true shooting with 30, almost 32% usage. 
Um, he's upped his assists uh, this year. He's upped. Um, is he's up to scoring this year. He's taking more shots than he ever has. Um, you know, he is, he hasn't been shooting the three as well, but it also has been at, you know, asked to shoot more than he's ever been. So you can guess that, you know, some of those attempts are end of the clock heaves and stuff like that. But, you know, I went, I went with Brad Beal just because I think he's spearheading an offense that is uh, ranked ninth. And without that offense, they would be much lower than they already are. So final, uh, all-star players are in the Eastern Conference. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, DeMondis Sabonis, Spencer Dinwiddie, Bradley Beal. Those are my guys. Oof. I'm looking at this, uh, this Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum discrepancy and... Ooh, you know, it's a good case for Jason Tatum to be in this game. It's a good case for Jason Tatum to make it over Jalen Brown. Um, but I've just, I just like the way Jalen has uh, was played at the beginning of the year, and I, um, I think, I think he's just been fantastic defensively. He's, he's had a little bit of a struggle recently, and Tatum has come on a little bit, which balances it out. But if you have, but, but like this, if you got Tatum over Brown in this game, I'm not going to be mad at you. I, uh, I, I almost agree, but I just. I think Brown has been a little bit better. I really, I really like what Brown has done, and I've got, I've got Brown in there. Um, but I'm not going to quibble if you've got Jason Tatum over there. Here's some of my big snubs. You know, uh, Trey Young is the big one. A lot of people going to be mad at me. Um, I know it's not Trey's fault that they're last in defense and near the bottom of the league in offense, but you know, just eight wins to this point or whatever it is, I just couldn't. Nine wins, I just couldn't put him in there. Uh, it was it was just too tough for me, uh, unfortunately, and uh, he is uh, part of the problem uh, on on defense. Although he's not the main problem, um, obviously they're playing with a bunch of rookies and stuff like that, so that's tough. So yeah, if you if you've got Trey Young in there over a guy like Dinwiddie or something like that, I can definitely understand um, why that would be the case. But you know, I just couldn't get over the fact that he's on an eight win team uh, almost halfway through the year. Andre Drummond, uh, I didn't really have too much of a case for Drummond. I mean, the Pistons are, you know, in the basement. He's averaging a lot of rebounds, but a lot of empty stats for me. You know, Zach Levine, uh, again, very similar to the case he had last year. He was putting up a lot of good numbers. Still a very good player, but I need to see the Bulls, you know, kind of get over that uh, hump and at least be fighting for a playoff spot more than they already are for me to, you know, kind of consider them. You know, they're, they're three games out right now. It was six games out in the loss column. I just, I just need to see more. I can't uh, put him in right now until I see more, uh, more leadership from him in there in, uh, in Chicago. And then I think the last, uh, you know, Nikola Vucevic again. He he was out for a while. Uh, I understand why you might want him in. Uh, again, I just, I, I just, I just didn't see the case for him. And then Devonte Graham uh, was another one. But uh, again, I just don't think he had as strong as case as some of those other guys. So, so th- those were the the quote unquote snubs. Uh, oh, and Middleton too. You know, M- Middleton. Uh, it was it was a little bit tough for me to get get him in there. Is the case just wasn't as good as some of those other guys. My like my fringe guy there was Trey Young, and if you wanted to take him out instead of Dinwiddie, or you wanted to take Tatum out instead of Brown, I wouldn't have too many quibbles with that. But I just liked uh, the way those those two guys uh, were playing this year and really helping their teams. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what I got in the Eastern Conference. All right, here we go in the West. God, this this Western Conference, uh, this this was tough. Um, okay, so here's, here's who was in consideration for me in the Western Conference: LeBron James, 
Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, and Brandon Ingram. Those are the guys I considered. My starters, um, I don't think there's too much to quibble with here. My starters are Luka Doncic, uh, James Harden, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. You know, I think I think it's pretty consistent there. I don't really think there's uh, an argument for anybody outside of those guys. You know, Kawhi's been a little bit of load management this year, uh, but he's still been fantastic, still an all-star starter uh, for me. And so here we go. We got seven spots left. Um, I got Paul George in the all-star game. I think he's been really good since he has come back. Um, I, I don't think there was much of a statistical argument to get anybody else in there ahead of him, in my opinion, you know, still 23, uh, a game, th- almost 40% from three on, uh, you know, 10 attempts per game. He's played 26 games, uh, and he, it looks like he's going to play, you know, more going forward. So I think he'll have enough to get in there. Um, I, 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 you know, that, that three point percentage has just been fantastic stuff. You know, 58.6% true shooting 30% usage. He's, he's clearly uh, an above average efficiency player, despite the 43% from the field. I got Paul George in there. I got Nikola Jokic in there. Uh, I don't think there's, again, one of those guys where I don't think there's an argument to have him out. Nuggets are third uh, in the conference, and a lot of that is because of him. I don't really um, I don't really think there's a statistical argument to keep him out of the game, in my opinion. Um, I actually have Rudy Gobert making his first All-Star team this year. Um, I, the Utah Jazz are leaning right now on their defense. Uh, Gobert specifically um, has been fantastic again this year. Another year where Defensive Player of the Year uh, is uh, well in the reach for him. You know, 67% from the field uh, is still absolutely fantastic. You know, I, I know he's a big man, stuff like that. But, you know, 15 and, 10, 15 and 14, uh, two almost two blocks per game. Uh, defensively, he's when he's on the floor, 102.7 defensive rating. Uh, I, I again tough, tough for me to keep him out necessarily. I'm actually gonna look up his on-off stuff. I actually did not look up Gobert's on-off stuff um, when I was researching for him. I, I just thought that he had a, a good enough case to stay in there. Um, I picked him. Over Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell actually uh, was a snub for me. Uh, he was very close. He was very close. I will. I will say that. I just think uh, there was a couple players that had similar statistical profiles to Donovan Mitchell that were just a little bit better, and that's despite Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, helping his team win games, and he is helping his team win games uh, for sure. So I, I'm not going to doubt that, but. Um, you know, it was close. It, it was it was really, really close. I I can't stress that uh, enough, but I just basically just left him off um, and had Rudy Gobert in there as well. I didn't really feel good about having two Jazz guys in there for whatever reason, despite the fact that they were, you know, pretty good uh, and have been pretty good this year. So Rudy Gobert, the on-off stuff here, uh, when he is when he is on the court, the defensive rating is 102.7. When he's off the court, it's 108.5. So that's six points, almost six points per possession better uh, when he's on the court. And on and offensively, uh, 112.1 uh, 
uh, offensive rating when he's on the court, 102.6 when he's off. That's nine points better. So well, Gobert clearly making a big impact on his team. I, uh, I I thought it was only right to have him in the game this year. You know, I mentioned James Harden's in the game. No, uh, nothing needs to be said there. Same with Doncic. Nothing needs to be said there. I got Chris Paul as an all-star. Chris Paul has been absolutely fantastic. And you're going to say, oh, Derek, you're a homer. Uh, you love Chris Paul. He's your favorite player. Yes, he is my favorite player. He's also been completely ridiculous this year. <laughs> Despite the box, score, the box score stats and whatever, he has been completely ridiculous this year. Um, he's uh, incredibly clutch. His leadership has been fantastic. He's still a great defensive player. Uh, his impact uh, on winning has clearly been there uh given where the Thunder rank in the in the Western Conference. You know, 111 offensive rating when he's on the court, 98.5 when he's off the court. That's 12 points better offensively when he's on the court. Um, when he's on the court, uh, defensively, 107 defensive rating, off the court, 102. So that's 4.9 points uh, better when he's off the court defensively. I don't really buy that necessarily too, too much. Um but uh, a plus seven net rating uh, is just ridiculously good. Um, he's shooting ridiculous from three. The true shooting is still at 60%. Uh, he's a, you know, the assist numbers are down and the points per game uh, aren't necessarily, you know, the, the biggest you want to see and all that sort of stuff. But he's, you have to understand, um, and I've talked about this in the past, he's averaging 12.2 shots per game. That is the lowest since his rookie year. Uh, so that has to be taken into account. 31.8 minutes per game is uh, near a career low for him, the the second lowest of his career. So, I mean, that has to be taken into account. Again, the usage, 21.5. That is the lowest, oh, sorry, second lowest of his career. So, you know, he's he's not having the same opportunity he's had in the past when he's been uh, an all-star uh, player, but you know, given his limited opportunity, forty-seven percent from the field at thirty-four years old. That's thirty-seven from three. You know, six point five assists, two turnovers per game. The turnovers per game are the lowest of his career. Uh, One point six steals. Still a great steals guy. And I mentioned the true shooting and all that stuff. Chris Paul to me, and obviously the clutch play. The clutch play has been completely ridiculous this year. Uh, he's just been willing his teams to wins. In the clutch, bringing his team back, getting to that right elbow and knocking down mid-range jumpers. Uh, nothing you can do about that. Obviously, you know, still a great defender, t- team leader, all that stuff. I got Chris Paul as an all-star, and I really don't. Um, I if you, if you got some quibbles with that, that's fine. You know, some of the people out there are still looking at the box score stats and still uh, not sold on CP3 as an all-star. Sure, um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll accept your I'll accept your argument, but I think he's an all-star, and I I don't really have. Um, I, I think there's a very good statistical case for it as well. Okay, I've also got Damian Lillard on this list. You know, Damian Lillard is on a team fighting for an eight seed at the moment. I mentioned on the past podcast what an, uh, a carousel, you know, this eighth spot in the West is. Like, if the playoffs ended today, the Grizzlies would actually be the eight seed, which is crazy. Um, but, you know, there's about, you know, six teams within uh, two spots of, uh, uh, of the eight seed, and the Blazers are in... Uh, one spot from the eight seed, and you know it's it's just Damian Lillard. Like Lillard has still been crazy, crazy good. Um, you know his his points per game are still there. His leadership is still there. He's still carrying this team. You know, despite the additions 
of uh, of Carmelo Anthony and such. You know, 26 a game on 19 shots, 44 from the field, 36 from three on nine attempts a game. You know, 89 from the line, seven attempts uh, uh, from the line per game. That's a career high for him. Uh, 7.6 assists. He's really become a great distributor this year. I think is something really underrated about Lillard's game. 7.6 assists to just 2.8 turnovers. That's great stuff. 60% true shooting, 28% usage. The team is clearly better with him on the floor. Um, so, I mean, it's t- tough to leave him out for me personally. Okay, last two here. These were tough. Um, I went with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, if you remember, you know, Carl Anthony Towns at the beginning of the year was completely, completely ridiculous uh, in terms of the way that he was shooting the ball and playing on offense. Uh, you know, he's obviously cooled down since that stretch, but my God, like he is has been crazy good this year. 26.5 points per game on 51 from the field, still shooting 41% from three on 8.5 attempts per game. This is a center and, you know, the, I talked about on the podcast earlier this year, the versatility of his jump shot, like still like doing step backs and stuff like that. 11.7 rebounds, four and a half, four and a half assists. He's getting, you know, a steal a game, a block a game, all that good stuff. You know, 65% true shooting on 27 usage. He, the team is better with him on the floor. You know, Towns is still not necessarily a good defender, but I, uh, I took a listen to Zach Lowe's podcast. And he mentioned that a lot of the reason that uh, teams shoot better uh, when Towns on the floor is basically from three. And actually Towns uh, at the rim, when he's the closest defender, they only shoot like 49% uh, at the rim when he's on the floor, which is, you know, some of the lowest in the league. So that's a pretty impressive number. And they'd shoot just really high uh, from three when Towns is in the floor on the game. And I don't think that's necessarily his fault. Yeah, maybe he's not getting out on the floor contesting those jumpers enough. I haven't watched enough Timberwolves basketball to really have a good sample size as to why that is, but I think Towns, you know, is, is definitely good enough. And look, the, the Timberwolves, although I thought they would be better this year, uh, they're still only, you know, one one game back, two games back, um, or a game and a half back, actually, uh, from the eight seed. So they're still right there in it. They're still playing uh, for some good basketball here, and I think um, and I think it's worth it. I think it's, uh, I think it's worth having him in there, personally. All right, my last spot was the hardest spot like this was so hard it was between donovan mitchell you know russell westbrook brandon ingram and devin booker and i went with devin booker uh making his first all-star game this year you know devin booker sneakily is having like a real good year like i know like uh, a lot of the time we forget about the suns because they're just you know they're, they're, they're the suns right they're just the suns but I mean, Devin Booker is averaging 26 a game on 51% from the field, taking 18 shots a game. He's averaging, you know, 36.5% from three on 5.2 attempts per game, still averaging six and a half assists, 91% from the line on six uh, attempts per game. And like the true shooting, uh, like is still ridiculous. 62.7%, 28.4% usage. And, you know, the team is definitely better you know, with him on the floor, I think the eye test defensively this year has shown that Booker is giving a lot more effort. Um, the the team is clearly better with him on the offensive side. Uh, so I've got Devin Booker in there, and you know, it was man, it, it, it was it was tough. There was a lot of guys to consider. I really had to dig in there. Um, between Ingram, Booker, Westbrook, and Mitchell, I went with Booker, but it was close. 
it, it, it was damn close for me. So uh, my all-stars in the Western Conference, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Nikola Jokic, uh, Rudy Gobert, James Harden, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. I feel a lot better about my team in the West than I do in the East. Uh, I've got some... I've got some guys in the East that people might not necessarily agree with, you know, being Brown and Dinwiddie and leaving Trey Young out of the game. But I I feel good about my 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 West squad. I think the East squad is what people are going to get at me with uh, on Twitter and, you know, uh, really go at me a little bit. All right. So that's my pick in All-Stars. All right. What I learned this week, uh, I'll try to keep this uh, short because we've already gone for like 45 minutes here. Um, I was listening to... The Hollinger and Duncan podcast recently, you know, John Hollinger, former former front office executive with the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, Nate Duncan obviously does uh, excellent work and has been doing so for quite a long time, uh, covering the league from top to bottom. And uh, I, th- I think they have a segment called Holland Journeys or something like that. And basically, Nate asked, what is diff- what is different uh, within an, within an organization that most fans uh, probably didn't, or he that he didn't realize uh, when he got the job with the Grizzlies in the front office. And what he said here was, I thought, quite interesting. He said the biggest arguments within the organizational front office is actually the 14th and 15th roster roster spots or the last two way decision spot. Those are the ones that create the most arguments within an organization. Not are we giving this guy the max? You know, are we trading for this guy? It's actually like the menial stuff at the end of, you know, the bench that people care that, sorry, the front office um, finds themselves fighting over the most. And I thought that that was really, really interesting. Um, And I think Nate made a good point about why that is, because when you get to the 14th and 15th guy, this is where a lot more of the decision and the, uh, the, your voice is heard as maybe someone who's not as vocal with some of the more major decisions. So I'm talking about your area scouts, you know, your strength and conditioning guys, like your, your guys that really see these guys up close and really have a good opinion uh, because they're the ones, you know, doing the dirty work in the trenches, seeing what these guys are like. And so it's almost like you're impeding on their territory and they feel like they have a better opinion than those front office, the general manager, the uh, president of basketball operations. They the scouts in these uh, you know more niche you know front office roles feel like they have a better idea about these players because they've watched them more closely than those other guys. And I think for that reason, it is more there. These lower level front office employees are more in inclined to fight for their opinion because they know this is where I can make my mark as someone who knows their stuff. And if I get this right, where this 14th or 15th guy turns out to be actually, you know, pretty good. And these other off front office guys didn't know about him or disagreed with me when I tried to push for this guy to make the roster, that looks good, especially when that player turns out to do well. So I think that personally, I think that's, uh, and that's the point that Nate Duncan made, um, to be fair. I just thought it was a good point, and I agree with him there. So I think that that is actually true. I do agree with Nate in the sense that these lower-level employees get a chance to put a stamp on their opinion and make their mark, knowing that they don't really get that um, 
that high-end voice to be heard uh, in other major decisions outside of, you know, some of these end-of-the-bench guys, which uh, they really have to, you know, work hard. And it's almost like you're impeding on their territory uh, when you disagree with the opinion that they have about certain players uh, and uh, their ability to translate or their ability to help their team on the 14th, 15th roster spot or a two-way, whatever that turns out to be. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate your time. This one went a little bit long. Picking the All-Stars had to do some explaining, but yeah, it is what it is. So you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, at IsoBallPod, at IsoBallPodcast. Uh, be sure to watch that Celtics-Bucks game that we're going to talk about uh, next week for Game of the Week. And uh, still working on YouTube stuff. We're going to get to that, I promise you. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Talk soon.